All right, everyone. Welcome back to The Jay Davis Show. We're super excited to have Kelly Thornton with us today. He's the founder and CEO of Tiege Hanley. Thank you for coming on the show, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm super excited to talk. I've been a fan of your guys' products and what you guys do. Uh, why don't you give us a quick, uh, maybe kind of entrepreneurial founder story of how'd you get into this? Uh, what made you crazy enough to start? Time. I got old and ugly and needed help. <laughs> with my skin and my wife was complaining and you know, I wanted to keep her happy. Um, yeah, that's happy, a good reason. Happy wife, happy, happy wife. And, um, you know, I mean, I think like skincare for men has been something that the beauty industry has always said as being the last bastion of hope for beauty. Um, and around the world, you know, men have really embraced this. We, we, you know, Americans, ugly Americans, it's, it's taken a, us a while to warm up to it. But, um, you know, we really felt like there's a great opportunity to help guys out there look and feel good about themselves. Um, and to try to break it down into a simple form of, um, you know, how to, how does a guy get into skincare and how does he take care of himself? What steps does he need to have and what products does he need to have and simplify that and speak to guys like, um, you know, guys like to be spoken to like guy to guy, um, not some marketing talk by, you know, a woman telling him to take care of himself. So that's, that's kind of, um, the impetus for how we got into the business. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as, as you look back, was there a single moment where you kind of had this aha moment? Was it something developed over time? How did that, uh, kind of ideation process happen? Yeah. I, for me, it was like seeing an opportunity in the marketplace. I was spending a lot of time in my prior, um, business in, Southeast Asia and China, really, um, South Korea, really understanding and, and South America, particularly Argentina and Brazil, like really trying to understand how men are thinking about themselves and how men were shopping for skincare. And, um, here in America, there was like almost no thought on the retailer shelf about, um, skincare for men and, and which made perfect sense because I don't think. I don't think men are like really saying to themselves like, you know, hey, Jay, uh, like that was a great football game. Let's go down to Nordstrom and see what's like hot in the men's skincare <laughs> category. Like this is not even happening. Um, but around the yeah. world, like skincare was very prevalent. Um, and when I would go into stores in Asia and see, you know, 10 feet by five shelves in, in a convenience store of men's skincare, I thought this is just this is just unbelievable to me. Like, how can this be happening over here? And like, and even like in, you know, kind of Western Europe, how can the, 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 the cultural shift be happening where guys are really thinking about taking care of themselves? So when I saw that and then looking at the numbers and seeing triple digit growth in, in China and Southeast Asia, you know, high, like 30, 40% year over year growth in, in Western Europe. And then moving, you know, moving um, or Eastern Europe, moving more west towards the U.S. I thought this is just like great. We we got to get we got to get we got to ride this wave and get involved and try to help guys think about taking care of themselves. Yeah, well, I, I think you were very uh, prescient in thinking that way because now we've seen all these other brands come in. I think even just general men's, uh, you know, body care. I don't know what that category would be, but. Uh, you know, soaps, other just things, grooming, right? uh, grooming yeah, yeah, just grooming, seeing Manscaped go crazy. I mean, there's just been a lot of shift that way. So, yeah, yeah, so I it's mean, amazing. it's been, 
I and honestly, I think the wave is still forming. Like I think yeah. there, there's still a lot of people that are like orienting themselves to it's important to take care of themselves. And yeah. that that manifests itself in many forms. It's not just skincare. We're just part of a revolution of people being concerned and more hyper aware of what they're doing, what they're eating, how they're sleeping, how they're exercising, all those things. Yeah. Well, one of the things I love is as you look through your history and what you've done, you've founded other things besides besides Tej. Uh, what are some of the surprising lessons? I, I think, and we were talking about this before we started, but yeah. I think so much time is spent on coming up with the idea. And then people find a good idea, it starts making money, and it's like, oh, now I actually have to do all these other things. Yeah, I think what have been those surprising things? The 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 idea is like the simple part, right? I mean, yeah, it's I mean it's all about the execution. And I think the idea is important, right? Because you know, um, it has to be you have to be solving a problem for people, yeah. or you have to be creating something that that is there's a clear reason in in you know in the landscape to to exist, right? Um, but um, I think like. You know, the hard part is is working on on being really good at something and being very very focused on um, a consumer and you know keeping the guardrails on and right and and being like um, dedicated to the mission that you 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 embarked on originally, um, while you know while iterating on that over time, but trying to try not to stray too far off course. And we've made those mistakes many a times. Yeah. What what do you think have been some of those lessons that you've learned that have been like, oh man, I wish I would have done that sooner? Uh, or are there things you're like, you've learned this is kind of a waste of time, it's non-essential, but everyone talks about it? What are some of those yeah. things you've seen? Well, I'll go after it two ways. One, one way is like, um, you know, we wanted to be very capital efficient early on. And so, and I know you've talked to a few founders that, that haven't raised, um, we, you know, we never really went down the path originally of, Hey, we're being, raising money is going to be part of our DNA, but we've been very, very, very capital efficient. So I think like as quickly as you can, and it is, it's easy to say now, cause this is what's going, this is, you, you know, in the DTC space, this is the culture, make money, right? Like yeah. it's not growth above everything. It's you know, survival, right? I mean, yeah. you wanna, the longer you can stay in the game, the better you can be. So I think like being early on very capital efficient is something, you know, is something that I think is very important. And I wish, and I think I did it okay early, but maybe not even early enough. Like, I think I could have been even more capital efficient, like in year one and two. So I think yeah. that that's like super important. Um, and, 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 and so basically, you know, to that extent, basically say, say no on spending any money on anything unless it's like really, you know, really a good, a good idea. Um, regretting, like, um, I think you make all the decisions that you make over time based on the information that you have in front of you, right? So looking back, some of those decisions, you know, were probably not the best decision, um, but they were the right decision to make the time so so i think like the idea is just to make it as few bad decisions as you can because you're gonna you, you you're gonna make a you're gonna make you make a lot of bad decisions just try to make make them not 
negatively impact your business, um, yeah. you know, to the extent that they can. So, you know, you make reason, you make decisions for a reason. They were the re the right thing to do at the time. They may prove out to be bad. They're likely to prove out to be bad because you usually make more bad decisions and good decisions. You just hope that you make, you know, you hope you make some good decisions. <laughs> I think it's a point. Help me out there, Jay. Bail no, me out I, on that one. No, I, I think that that's, uh, <laughs> I think every single entrepreneur has those moments where you look back and you're like, can I just redo this? Yeah. Like, could I start over and learn all of these lessons? Because I think you just go through so many experiences where you're like, you just learn so much. And so it's just trying to make the best decision and learn quickly and adapting. I mean, I think that that's such a natural feeling that every single one of us has. Yeah, I mean, the hardest ones, we were talking about people right before we jumped on on, uh, yeah. on the call. I mean, the hardest decisions like early on yeah. is like the people decisions and the people that you bring in your business. And you, know, you do it for the right reasons and the right reasons at the time. Um, but it's, it's, you know, they a lot of those decisions create problems down the road. You know, it's just, it's, it's hard to, it, it's hard to upfront make really good people decisions because you really don't know where the business is going. You don't really know, know very well what skill sets you need to bring in the business quickly early on. Yeah. Those are hard ones. That's one of my, one of my favorite things is I always tell people like, it always comes back to these super, super cliche things but they just turn out to be like the higher, slow, fire, fast. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then every time I'm like, why did we wait so long? Like, see the same thing. I yeah. see the same thing. My CFO said on that, um, this was like two years ago, um, and he said, hey, you know, pretty much everybody that I've ever been involved with, like that we exited out of the business, pretty much like there's not been one person that we've ever exited out of the business that we've said, like, that really hurts. You know, that, yeah. that was like really a, that was a bad, that was like a bad idea or that's going to be much more difficult than, than you think to like fix, you know, repair, pick up the pieces, pick yeah. up the pieces. It's, it never works that way. It's always, it's always a <laughs> yeah. good decision that you just didn't realize, um, that it was how good it was going to be typically. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's all. It's just so emotional, you know, fire as fast as you can. But it's so tough. It's, <laughs> it's so hard to do. Yeah, we we started we started it early, and then we like kind of stopped doing it. But then we got back on it. We do thirty, sixty, ninety day reviews, and we're like um, new hire reviews, and we're really diligent with it. And yeah. it's critical. And like you have to force yourself to do that to do thirty, sixty, ninety. If you don't, if you don't do them, and um, you're not um, dedicated to the process, because you should know like in thirty. 30 days in, like, where do you stand with this hire? And if it's not, yeah. you, you should have a really good sense. And at 60 days, you should know. And if, if things aren't working at 60 days, you know, you should, you should make a decision pretty quickly. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, uh, you know, Netflix has the no rules, rules books book where Reed says, uh, if someone is, if someone came tomorrow and said, Hey, I'm leaving. If you aren't going to fight for that person, you should get rid of them. Mm. Um, and let, and give them, you know, a, a, a way to exit that's Reasonable. good for both parties. But I think that that's so true. I've never had someone who 30 days in, it's like, ah, oh, man, this isn't really working great. And then they totally turn it around. It's amazing. 30 days in, I have concerns. It's like, we should just do this now. 
we we shouldn't delay this. If you have, so true. We've all lived through it, right? I mean, at 30 yeah. days in, we're like, something doesn't feel quite right, but it, you know, let's give it some more time. And like 60 days, still feeling like something's not right. Yeah. Um, here's our three choices. Yeah, just it's not right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just full of trigger. Well, one of the things I love that we were talking about before, and I, and I think this is so true, is as a CEO, you just have to be so adaptable. You're constantly kind of jumping from thing to thing. As you've gone through that before, but also through this, uh, through with this business, what are some of the lessons you've learned about how to do that in the right way? How to be helpful without being micromanaging, uh, but also have that breadth? Because I always feel like I'm, I'm trying to constantly figure out what is it that I do here? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The previous company I was with, I was I had an employee for 10 years and they said to me, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what you do here at the company. And I was like, it's really insulted by that, <laughs> but I can understand. I, yeah. Um, you know, the people thing is very difficult. So I think figuring out where in the business needs um, the most the most help at any given time and spending and trying to concentrate. You can't be all, like as a CEO, you, you can't, you know, you can't go um, very, you can't be very effective going like a mile wide and like half inch deep. I mean, you yeah. really, you really do need to trust in the people that you hire to make decisions. And actually, I think when you get to the point where you realize you got so many good people in the business that you can really trust them to make decisions. That that's a point. That's a very critical point, I think, in the development of of, of a company. And it is for 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 me. Um, I feel like it's we have so many strong people in 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 the positions that are so critical that um, I feel very confident in their decision making. And then what happens is then you look at the business and see as a CEO where you know, where you're needed based on the company priorities. We, we do, we do 90 day um, planning. We do annual planning with 90 day sprints. And, um, and so where over the, like the next 90 to 120 days, you know, where am I going to be spending most of my time? Where does the business need my, my like level of um, attention or attention at my level? So I think that's, you know, really good entrepreneurs, really good CEOs are able to like identify where in the business needs help and then do their best to, to support that function or that role to, to get it to where, you know, it's really operating very smoothly for the business. Yeah. As you do that, uh, is there a way that uh, you have found is the best way to kind of support that team? Are, are you diving in and like, hey, let me be a sounding board so you guys can ask me you know, what, what direction, what do you feel like you kind of naturally will lean into? What are some of those things? Yeah. A, a combination of both actually. So I think like if we, you know, I'm usually doing heavy lifting on a lot of stuff. So I'm actually crunching numbers, looking at spreadsheets, attending meetings, going to vendors or whatever, whatever it is that I'm interested that we're trying to work on. And I'm trying yeah. to provide like some very strategic direction. Um, my hope is that you know, I can get the team to a place where they can make a decision. Um, but typically, you know, especially if it's dollars and hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, um, you know, I'm really going to be pretty heavily involved in like steering 
the conversation in the way that I think, you know, I think it needs to go. Um, you know, I prefer, I prefer for the team to come to their own conclusion about what is the best path forward, but it doesn't always work that way. Yeah. Well, and I think that, I think that's one of the hardest things is helping to train the team of like, Hey, here's how I'm thinking about it. Not as a, Hey, you have to do it my way, but here's how I view it from a bigger per perspective. And that's something that I think is really challenging. It's, it's hard to constantly communicate that vision and that strategy of like, here's why we're doing the things we do. But it's always so rewarding when you have an employee who comes to you and says, I think this is what we should do. And you're like, that's exactly what I would have, <laughs> would have done. And it's so rewarding that they get kind of get trained in that almost. Yeah. We, we have an, one of our eight core competency, um, core values is um, agree to disagree and then commit. And, um, you know, that comes to fruition a lot in these type, you know, when, when I'm involved in things, we, we don't always agree. Um, we all bring our kind of thoughts to the table. And, um, but once we make a decision, um, as a company or as a, you know, as a, uh, um, a, a part of the business, we're going to, we're going to commit to, to that decision and live it out wholeheartedly and, and work yeah. together to make it, to make it work. And I, and actually a lot of times, you know, I can say a lot of times, but there are many of times where I feel like, you know, I had a different opinion, but the team really, um, brought very compelling reason to do something else. And, um, I absolutely, you know, commit and get behind, get behind that decision. Um, you know, so has that, has that made your business? I mean, I think this is actually a very interesting subject. I was talking about this with, with actually the last guest about how we both felt like our companies had kind of shifted away from maybe a very democratic structure. And I think that that actually aligns with that thinking of, Hey, we're not, we're, we're going to all decide or, or, you know, we're going to bring evidence and Kelly's going to make a decision and we're going to commit and do it. Has that been a difficult shift because it's not as maybe democratic as it was when there were two or three people? What's that been like? Yeah. I mean, I think, so whoever is, you know, whoever's really kind of responsible for the project is the one responsible for gaining, you know, gaining differences in opinion and, um, working with their manager to, to make a commit, to, to, to commit to something. I think the hard part and the change that it's taken over time for us, Jay, is, um, is understanding that, you know, that everybody has an opinion, um, but we can't, you know, we're not going to be able to pursue every, every, every different direction We're we're really just going to have, you know, we're going to pursue something in one direction that that's, that's agreed to. And we really need to get everybody behind it and not be like, well, my decision wasn't chosen. Um, you yeah. know, so I'm not going to get behind this thing and, and blah, blah, blah. We really, so we really have a culture where there's one decision going to be made. It's going to be made typically by the, the, the channel lead or, or whoever owns that project with some input from other people and, um, and spe specifically their manager. And we're going to get behind it and commit to that. So I think, you know, I, some people have a hard time with that because they're like, oh, they want to prove someone else wrong. Um, and I think we have to, you, you know, you have to get that out of your culture. You know, you don't want, yeah. you don't want that type of attitude in your culture, which I think is very prevalent in corporations that are very siloed. Um, so yep. getting to a point where there is, 
a little less democracy, but the onus is on the person that's actually leaning it, leading the project and not necessarily, you know, the C-suite. Yeah. No, it's, I think it's such an important step, but it is challenging. It's hard for people to have the humility of like, Hey, I disagreed with this, especially sometimes when maybe in the beginning that project is struggling. It's hard for those people not to be like, Hey, told you so. (laughs) Gonna pull that back up and instead really commit to the, the group decision. Yeah. I mean, it's really important. Um, so, and I think like then comes, we, we have, we have a way of running the business that has a high degree of transparency and accountability. So then, then you have to layer in over top of that, um, being very willing to be vulnerable when you make, when you, when things aren't working well and saying, Hey, we made this based on, you know, 70% of the information and, um, it's not going too well. And here are some of the issues. Um, and yeah. we need, we need to try to reconcile this if we can. So, um, you have to, you have to have that built in kind of ownership and vulnerability and act like an owner kind of cultural mentality, um, to get behind decisions that were made when, especially when you weren't in favor of them. Yeah. I love it. Well, another question I want to ask, it's a little, little bit of a shift, but what is, as you've now hired, I think Hiring is so difficult, but it's so key. I mean, as you said, you look back and you're kind of like, I see see people throughout every business I've ever been a part of. I'm like, man, that, that person was so needed and so perfect. And other people, you're like, man, I thought that person was going to kill it and they didn't. What What is like the question you wish you could go back and ask the people to root out the good and the bad? You know... Unfortunately, there's a lot of, uh, you know, people come to the table and they, even if they come with a degree from, you know, world-class institution like the University of Chicago, which we were talking about earlier today, yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be, you know, a phenomenal, uh, um, you know, employee. And I, and, and so I think like, is there a way to kind of ferret that out early on? Um, I think like through the hiring process, we, we have, we have, you know, a very rigid hiring process that includes a lot of different, um, people asking different questions. Um, but I think like giving most people, like, I, I don't think you do this at the suite, C-suite, giving most people some level of homework assignment in the process is really important because you, you, you will get a, really good chance um to to understand how they think and feel and write and analyze and things like that so i think that that does help you a lot ferret out um you know ferret out potential problems and then i i would go deep you know in and even like contacting references and the, the more that you can put into the hiring process um which is really hard cuz you usually are really want to hire someone and the more you can take out the bias, um, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. No, that is, I think that's great advice. It's so, it's so easy to fall into that, not checking, not reaching out to former employers. It's, it's amazing. We were just talking about this actually yesterday of how many times we just like, we actually didn't know if that person even had a degree. <laughs> like, have we actually checked anything? And so. It's, it's very good. Yeah. One of the other things you mentioned earlier uh, that I also wanted to ask you about and get your thoughts, because I think it's something that 
almost every e-com brand is struggling with. You were talking about top of the funnel and, and trying to think through top of the funnel. Yeah. How have you balanced, and I, and I think this is what's so hard for DDC companies, how have you balanced both building a brand and making people aware with you, of who you are while at the same time trying to drive performance as you're bootstrapping? I mean, brutal. That's like the hardest thing, you know, of, of within the marketing team. Yeah. So especially if you are, you know, really, truly unfunded and focused on being profitable. It's so, it's so hard. You're so highly optimized for acquisition. Um, yeah. And everything is kind of a math equation. Um, it is the one area of our business that, you know, I will, you know, I think we've worked really hard on brand, but I think it is the one area of the business that over the next several years I'll be spending more time on. So, um, you know, I think you need to get to a place where, you know, you're really committed to working on brand and you're going to put money behind it. And you're going to know that, you know, it's going to be very hard to measure the impact of it. And um, so looking at your brand health um, and looking at a few other metrics is probably the only thing. I mean, you could do some brand lift studies and things like that, but the only thing that you're really going to be able to measure when you really focus on brand, your level of engagement, you know, um, your growth of your social, organic social channels, channels. But I think like you just have to commit to building, building, a, building your brand. Um, and you have to start spending a little bit of money and we allocate a certain, um, percentage of our marketing budget towards brand and you need to stay the course, you know, and not say this sucks and I'm not going to spend this money or, you know, not be committed to it and move that money, you know, into, uh, an acquisition funnel, which, you know, you're so tempted to spend more money on. So yeah. I, you have to be committed to it. Right. Um, and then I think like within the marketing team, you need to think about it just a little bit differently because everybody else is going to be held to a different standard of, of a KPI more associated with, you know, a, a, a cat or a mer or LTV or whatever yeah. um, it is. So you have to be willing to stomach the fact that building a brand is a long play and you need to, you know, you need to measure it differently. I think that's very uh, wise advice. It's, it is not easy. It's so easy to, especially if things get tight, say, okay, pull back from brand immediately. <laughs> Stop spending that money. Especially so. my finance team. They're like, yeah, well, this, this comes out this month. Well, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're the, they're the short term, you know, only something that produces today. And that's, what's hard. It's hard to plant those seeds for you know, like, Hey, I know this sucks, but, and it's going to take us five years to really see the, the ROI on this or two years or three years or whatever that is. But if we don't, we're going to be kicking ourselves in five years. Yeah. I mean, if you're early on, I would say like, just focus on acquisition, but yeah. everything that you do with your brand and, and anything you can do organically, um, just keep really tight focus on your message, you know, like try to figure out what's yeah. working and then just, just constantly beat that message. Yeah. I love it. Well, what's up, uh, for, for Tish next? Like what are, what are you guys working on? Is there anything that you're, has been in the works you're excited about where are you headed? No. Well, I'm really, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited about everything. Actually, I, I'm excited about where the business is and its trajectory. Um, you know, I'm really looking forward to the next um, three years in our growth plan. Um, I think we're going to hit some really huge milestones. Um, 
I'm really excited about some new product. We have we have some new real very advanced technology um, uh, in a product, anti-aging technology, which I'm oh, yeah. really, really, really excited about the form factor and the type of product that is going to be very, very good. And then, um, and, and we're working really hard on uh, making sure that our current products are all cutting edge technology and the best of the best that we can get. So I'm very excited about that. And, and it's, a, it's a long, it's a long play, Jay. Like it doesn't, you know, product development takes forever. Like, you know, <laughs> making sure it's yeah. right and testing and FDA and stability and all this stuff that we do. So I'm really excited about that. I'm also really excited about TV. Um, you know, I think we're at the point, our company and our size and our marketing budget um, that we can take a couple bigger swings. And I've seen some other companies out there doing some things. I'm, I'm really yeah. excited about us getting into some different channels and, and, and getting into TV, which we're going to launch um, like in the next 20 days, which I'm really excited. That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Uh, well, where can people go and find product? Obviously, they can go to teach.com. Yeah. I mean, either Tiege or, you know, or Amazon. It depends on, you know, where you like to shop. We, we love people to engage in our, um, at teach.com. We have an awesome, awesome discount um, for you and your listeners um, at teach.com backslash Jay Davis show. Um, awesome. And there's an awesome free gift there for anybody that wants to try our product. So, um, but hey, look, it's just important for you to get started on your skincare journey. We'd love for you to come along with Tiege. Um, but, you know, no matter where, what you're doing, you should be washing your face every night and every day, every morning and every night with a really high quality face wash and make sure you moisturize during the day before you go out with an SP, a product that has SPF. So just get going, guys, on, on, your, on your routine, no matter what you're doing. We hope that you can come on our journey. You know, visit us at Tiege.com or t.com backslash John J. Davis show, and we'll hook you up. Love it. Well, thank you so much for doing that for the listeners and for coming on. So much great advice. Thanks. I man. was writing mental notes in my head of like, okay, we got to, we got to start the 301690. Yeah. Do that more. Get on that. <laughs> it's all, and that's what I think I love about entrepreneurship. It's like any great pursuit. You're just constantly working at the craft and getting better trying to do that one thing you're not doing right now and just Never constant ended. improvement. Yeah, man. Yeah. All right. Thank you. So great. Thank you so much.